1: Welcome to the Social Media Marketing Podcast, helping you navigate the social media jungle. And now, here's your host, Michael Stelzner. Hello, hello, hello.
0: Thank you so much for joining me for the Social Media Marketing Podcast, brought to you by socialmediaexaminer.com. I'm your host, Michael Stelsner, and this is the podcast for marketers and business owners who want to know what works with social media. I'm really excited about today's show. I'm going to be joined by video blogger Amy Schmidtauer, and we're going to talk about video blogging, what it is, and what you need to know to become a video blogger. But first, we've got a really cool discovery for you.
1: Helping you stay alive in a social jungle, here's this week's survival tip.
0: I'm excited to be joined this week by Eric Fisher, and he has a really awesome new discovery. Eric, what'd you find?
1: I found PopClip. And PopClip is a clipboard text management tool for your Mac that mimics some of the functionality that you would find normally only in iOS, but brings it over to the Mac and then adds a bunch of cool extensions to it.
0: And this is not just like a browser plugin. This is a plugin that works across all apps on the entire Mac operating system. Is that right?
1: Yes, much like, you know, Text Expander. In, you you take that functionality across to any app or even within the system itself on OS X.
0: Okay, so um, I'm selecting some text. What happens next?
1: As soon as you let go with your left click of selecting with your cursor, the menu pops up and your predetermined cut, copy, paste like you'd normally find you can add other things in like, let's see, dictionary or check spelling or or, or even correct spelling. It'll show you um, huh. some of the options. The Like if you misspelled that word that you selected, it will give you, oh, did you mean? But it won't ask you the, oh, did you mean? It will literally show you the correct spelling. You're like, oh, yeah, that's wrong. And you just – click that right, correct spelling, and it's fixed.
0: So it, it really does model kind of the iOS, iPhone kind of user experience is what I hear you saying, but does a lot more, yeah. right?
1: Yeah, yeah, really does.
0: Talk about, I know there's a bazillion extensions. Like, what are some of the extensions and some of the things that people might find kind of intriguing that you can do with this, uh, this app?
1: Yeah, I mean, you can select, you could select a whole sentence, and then you could say, you know what, I want this whole sentence to be uppercase. And you just click the little icon for that. And the whole sentence is now uppercase.
0: Well, it looks like there's even text to speech. So it looks like looks like there's like over a hundred extensions, and you can just go ahead and, and install the ones that you care about the most, right? And yeah. um, gosh, I mean that text to speech thing is kind of cool. You could select a huge chunk of text, like an entire article, and then just have it speak to you in the background. That's pretty cool, don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Google Translate is in there. Um, what else can you do with this thing? What do you, I know? You're using it. Like, what do you do with it?
1: Well, what I do is, especially when I'm taking, say, a single piece of content and I am going to multiple places to post it, I will select the, the initial text, like mostly probably the headline, because that's going to stay the same for cross-posting. And then as soon as I let go, I hit copy, and then I will go to the different places. But that's, uh, that's a very simple use. The, the bigger cool thing here is to be able to select a bunch of text and literally click an icon for a specific app, like say TweetBot, and send it right there. Well, I
0: also see Evernote. It says send to Evernote. There's an Evernote Mm -hmm. plugin, make a sticky note. So, I mean, that's so cool. I mean, literally within one swoop, you could take a paragraph of text and and create a sticky note. And I use sticky notes like crazy. Reminders, Uh, OmniFocus. Um, My gosh, I mean, there's a there's a ton of tweet things here, Twitterific, TweetBot, Twitter for Mac, Facebook, Buffer. I mean, my gosh, iMessages, <laughs> Maps. This is insane.
1: Yeah, even email. Like if you say, oh, here's a great website, and you select a quote from there as the opening to your the email you want to create and send this to somebody, you select that text, hit the email button. It opens your favorite email client because you've you've told it what it is and drops that text in, and your email's already started.
0: Wow. So, okay, what this thing is called Pop Clip for Mac. Yes. Um, I see that they have a free trial, um, but you just went ahead and bought it, and it's $4.99, right?
1: Yes, in the Mac App Store. Uh, if you want to get the free trial, you can go grab that from pilotmoon.com. Or if you want to just go ahead and jump in, and you, you, you know, you're convinced by us telling you then you can go to the Mac app store and find it.
0: Yeah. If you go to pilotmoon.com, you'll see a couple different apps that they have and you click on the pop clip one. So that is a really cool discovery for (laughs) Mac users. Eric, thank you so much for sharing that. You're welcome. Did you know that we can deliver awesome marketing info directly into your inbox? Simply subscribe to our weekly newsletter that comes out three days a week. You won't miss any of the updates going on in the world of social marketing visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash getupdates. And with that, let's transo- transition over to today's interview with Amy.
1: To help simplify your social safari, here's this week's special guest.
0: I'm very excited to be joined today by Amy Schmidtauer. If you don't know who Amy is, she's a video blogger and marketing coach, and she blogs over at SavvySexySocial.com. She's also host of the Marketing Lifestyle Podcast, Amy, welcome to the show.
2: Hi, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
0: Well, thanks for coming. Today, we're going to talk about YouTube. We're going to talk about videos. But before we get into any of that, I want to start with your story, Amy. How the heck did you get involved with the video stuff and YouTube and all that fun stuff? Like start from way back.
2: Way back. Well, we're talking about March of 2007. This is when I actually joined YouTube for the first time, mostly as an observer and just checking out the lay of the land, the creators that were what are we call um, veterans of the space. But yeah, I think I just kind of... I've always been on... I've been on the computer since very young. My mom was a tech teacher before it was cool. So it was just something that I was always really interested in. And I was just sort of watching a lot of videos in 2007. So I joined so that I could interact a little bit more, commenting, liking... Uh, And then it was in 2008 when I actually started creating on my channel for the first time. And I've created additional channels since then, but my first channel goes way back to that date. So it's really funny because actually a lot of people think that social media came first, sort of like chicken and egg. But no, video really is how I ended up where I am today. And I've been creating video for a kind of long time when it comes to internet years. But it was really all about having this amazing creative outlet to share um, a journey with my friends, just let them see like something really cool that I could make that would have all of us reflect on just like fun times together. So this whole idea of video blogging was so for me, I was never an on camera person. But there was just something about sharing the journey through video that was super cool to me. So so you were. That's really the beginning. You were a 20
0: something then, right? And probably uh, early. Well, I'm
2: still a 20 something, but yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, well, you're practically almost not a 20 something anymore, I right?
2: Oh, I know. I'm milking it.
0: But you were. Okay. So you were in your early 20s. And um, um, back then, what. W- I mean, what was your aspiration back then? Just to create a video, just to show to a couple of buddies, or or did you yeah, actually have I mean, an idea beyond that? Early, di- early it was on,
2: that simple, Mike. It was that simple. Like, the first video I made is actually not even published online. I was recruited as a bridesmaid, which I definitely call it recruitment, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I was recruited by uh, to be a bridesmaid, and I thought it'd be so fun if we did something special at the at the dinner. And I went around with my little Canon PowerShot digital camera that I was using to take, you know, anywhere you know selfies were a thing back. But you had to use a digital camera to do it. So I had my digital camera with me all the time. And it actually took really nice video, standard definition, but still good. And I would take this thing around and just link up with people we went to high school with and say, hey, will you just like record a, a quick video and just say congratulations on your wedding? Like, that's it. And and just this whole compilation of all these people we know from at the time what felt like way back really was not that way back. but being able to share that in a moment and share it with her family. That was the first video I made and being in a room and I love surprising people. It's my favorite thing in the world. I wish somebody would throw me a surprise party because it is so much fun. But seeing the reaction on people's faces, I lived for that. I lived for it. So it was really fun for me. And then after that, it was like, I want to keep doing this on just like a more casual level. So that's where YouTube came in really handy. Um, I just wanted to share experiences of hanging out with friends and doing fun stuff and maybe a fun trip that we did putting it together on YouTube so we could always remember it. That's really one to it was just connecting with people and sharing those times.
0: So at what point did you realize okay, I'm onto something here when it when it came to YouTube? Like what was one of those moments for you?
2: Well I think the first moment was really when social media started to become a little bit more popular. At the time, you know, we'd seen MySpace and Facebook was a thing. And then joining Twitter, I think that's when it really started to become a mindset shift for me because I was on there, I was communicating with people, I was talking, and I didn't really have any reason to. It's not like I was trying to market the videos I was making for fun for me and my friends, but other people were enjoying it. And then I was finding that the, the conversation was continuing in all these other venues. So that's where I started to see that happening. Um, but I also didn't see a lot of people doing video. And at that time, you know, I was starting to get more comfortable talking to the camera to a point where I would be out and about and like, just start talking to a camera, all of a sudden my friends would turn around where did the camera come from? Like what? (laughs) She's talking to a camera. And I became known as the video girl before this was like a thing that people were really seeing video blogging. Now we're seeing video blogging in traditional advertising and commercials. It's so crazy where it is today versus then. But that was really when things started to change for me was when social media started to become a little bit more popular. And I was running into people who were saying, you know, you're really inherently very good at this. Like, you should do this like for a living. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't understand what you're talking about. Like I talk on Twitter to get to know people. I talk to a camera so I can share that experience with those people. It was that simple. But then I started to realize there was a lot more to this story.
0: Let's fast forward to um, the last year or so. What, What kinds of videos are you creating so people that are listening can kind of visualize in their mind the kinds of things you're doing on camera?
2: Absolutely. So it was... 2011, when I started working for myself and obviously had gotten on the um, marketing path a lot more, I was I, before this in lobbying and fundraising. So when I decided to make the jump to work for myself and go into marketing, I knew that I was taking a really big risk. So what I needed to do was differentiate myself and what I had in my arsenal all this time was video. So when I saw that the space wasn't really that fruitful when it came to marketing videos, or at least what I consider the standard for a YouTube video that is an enjoyable experience for that audience, that's when I started to create videos for the Savvy Sexy Social blog. So now I have have a camera that I set up in my office. And I have my fun bookshelf in the background. And I talk three times a week to a camera to people who want to learn more about implementing social media uh, for their brand and their business and a lot of personal brands specifically uh, following the blog. So I like to still get out and about and do the uh, vlogging as I'm living my life. But I'm so excited about what's happening with this blog. It sort of has taken a back seat.
0: So, you're creating videos three days a week that talk about how you are actually, how, how to do social media marketing. And that is essentially what you do. Is that what I hear you saying?
2: Yeah, social media and a lot of talking about video content because, of course, people ask a lot of questions about the video aspect once they get there. It's like, what are people Googling? And a lot of it is about social media marketing, Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn, even Google Plus, Instagram. Uh, but when they get there, they're also saying, oh, wow, this these videos are really fun to watch. Like, What if I could educate my audience the same way? So we also talk a lot about video content marketing.
0: Very cool. So instead of you writing a blog post, essentially what you're doing is you're creating a spoken version of it with video. Is that accurate?
2: And lots of makeup. Yes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How many of these do you think you've done?
2: Uh, on the 400th episode of Savvy Sexy Social. I think wow. I've made a heck of a lot more videos than that. I've, I've made videos for other brands and obviously my vlogging experience, but that blog itself, we're going on our 400th episode next week.
0: Craziness. Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's talk, let's get into some of the details here. Um, first question I've got for you is Facebook video versus YouTube. Um, as you know, and you must know, there's been a big shift towards a lot of people publishing video on Facebook rather than linking to a YouTube video on Facebook. And I think Facebook is, Mark Zuckerberg has made it very clear that he is focusing heavily on video. Um, what, are, what are your thoughts on Facebook as either an alternative to YouTube or as a viable secondary video channel?
2: I really want to point out one thing specifically that you just said. First of all, Facebook video is a very important conversation to have right now because anything Facebook likes, we need to understand because it's so heavily... On the newsfeed and organic reach. But one thing you did mention was linking directly to a YouTube video. This has never been something that's a good idea on Facebook itself. You know, we need to kind of customize the experience based on the platform. And a YouTube video link has never been terribly visually pleasing on the Facebook. Facebook network. So there's always been sort of a way to work around that. But now with Facebook pushing their own organic video, it really is changing the game. I don't think... It's, it's definitely not something I'm doing. I'll start by saying that. It doesn't mean I'm completely disregarding it. It's, it's extremely important that if you do have an audience on Facebook or you're hoping to grow on because you know that your audience is there, it's definitely something to consider because if you're uploading a video to Facebook, they want to push the heck out of that thing. I would just say that you have to look at it a couple of different ways. I look at all of these online assets... Funnel the same way you would envision a sales funnel, you're envisioning a social funnel. So, Facebook and Twitter and these things are sort of the top of it. And then YouTube is a weird place where it's a social network, but it's also hosting your content. I want people to watch the YouTube video, but I also want them to watch it in a space that I can control, which actually isn't YouTube, it's my website. So, usually when I'm posting to Facebook, I'm posting a link to the blog post with a video embedded on my site. Now, when it comes to the link to a website, then you have to look at that as a piece of content that you have to customize to Facebook to look good. Previously, it's been uploading a picture and making it seem like you're uploading a picture, but maybe it's a thumbnail for the video and you're putting the link in the caption. But they've sort of changed the experience with links now, where if you have a nice big photo, it'll show up and take up a lot of real estate. But that still doesn't solve the problem that Facebook video is still going to perform much better than these links or a YouTube link or any of those other things. So I think there's a nice balance that can happen here, specifically because the really cool thing about Facebook video is that there's a very clear call to action button that you can customize at the end. And I see that as a good teaser opportunity. If maybe the first 30 seconds of your video is interesting enough that you can upload that to Facebook and then have the call to action at the end be to watch the rest of it on your website, I see that as a major opportunity. And that's more than likely what I would be advising at this point. I also have talked to some YouTubers who, of course, are very, very loyal to YouTube but see this opportunity with Facebook and have been saying very positive things about using it as another distribution channel and maybe moving their view count around a little bit, which is kind of weird because they can make a lot of money if they have a lot of views on YouTube. But if the goal is, you know, if you have sponsorships or you're selling a product, if you just need to get eyes, then Facebook is a really good option right now.
0: Well, and I want everybody to listen to what Amy just said, because What Amy is not focusing on is building necessarily subscribers on a YouTube channel, which is what so many people have been talking about for years. Instead, what Amy is saying is it's all about driving traffic back to an asset that is owned by Amy. In this case, it's her blog. And when people come to her blog, they can opt in to get on her email list. And I also like your suggestion, Amy, about maybe even not using the entire video on Facebook, but part of the video and then saying, hey, go here to watch the rest of it. But rather than sending them to YouTube, send them to the website. That is brilliant.
2: Mm-hmm. Now,
0: I want to get the, into the weeds a little bit about, you know, your tips and advice for video marketers. Um, you've done this a lot, you know, at least 400 episodes. Mm-hmm. So you've seen a lot of marketers and you probably said, ah, why do they keep doing that? Yeah. What do video marketers tend to do wrong? Tell us, you know, kind of what are the things that make you cringe and maybe how we can go about making it right.
2: So I think one of the things is sort of like, for vanity's sake, um, I think there's way too much green screen time going on. that's, That's one thing that jumps out at me. I don't think that to be a professional on video, you necessarily need to have the most perfect backdrop in the world. Because if you think about what people know YouTube for specifically or really any online video platform. It's a place to get to know somebody personally. And so it can be a little bit relaxed. You can still have the same level of prestige that your brand deserves without having this ridiculous movie set that you have set up. I'm not saying it should go away, but maybe it's not every single thing you do. I would relax on the green screen time and the suit and tie. Like Just just get real for a minute. But more importantly than that is just the fact that the beginning of your video is by far the most critical. Somebody, uh, somebody looks. I'm sure you guys have all watched a video recently and and thought you wanted to, but about eight seconds in, which is typical, you decide. To leave. And that's about the point that viewers are deciding whether they will stay for most of the duration of a video or leave. So, that audience retention rate is really critical. And a lot of marketers and businesses spend far too much time at the beginning of a video doing what they think is the right thing and not thinking about the viewer experience. So, they probably think, I should start this video with my name, my title, my business, and why I'm here today. And then all of a sudden, uh, especially when people have those. 15-second title sequences that have all the graphics and the crazy things. It, that's just wasted time at the beginning of a video. By the time you're into the content, you're 30 seconds, 45 seconds in, nobody's watching anymore. That's a really critical mistake that people are making all the time. It's so it, it's it, it's so easily overlooked. But I would say that is definitely the most important thing that you could change and completely change the direction of how things are going with your audience retention, which is far even more important than views. If we're really thinking about YouTube search optimization, audience retention is even more important than, you know, likes or comments or views, because you can have done all of your SEO perfectly, all your copies in place, the headlines you're annotating correctly. But if you're having a huge drop in retention early in the video, YouTube makes sure that it does not show up as relevant in search, so hey, that's Amy? why it's so important.
0: Amy, um, let's let's have you make up an on-the-fly fake intro so people can hear what you're talking about. I mean, f- pick any of your favorite topics and just kind of kind of do an intro so people can understand what you're talking about.
2: Okay. Well, this is fun to ask me because the intros to my videos are off the wall. I, I The most important thing is that the the personality comes first. So no matter what, the video has to start with my face. It doesn't even matter what I point. You just need to see that I'm there. So let's say I'm doing a video about, you know, just t- off the top of my head is like, email marketing. My first instinct, which I've done a video this way. So that's why it's top of mind. My first in- instinct is to say, don't call it a comeback because I'm going to continue through this video and tell you why email marketing is not dead. It's relevant. And you need to be thinking about it more strategically in your social funnel. So, you know, I start a video with like a mini wrap and then I roll into a two, two slide, two second title sequence. And then it's like, Hey guys, what's up? Thanks for being here. Here's why you need to be thinking about email marketing." Boom. By second 10, I'm already talking about what you wanted to know by reading the headline. So you should think about getting creative with it because no matter what your first words are, they need to just know you're inviting them in for the conversation. My name is displayed on a graphic. I don't need to say that right off the bat. I'm assuming you're a loyal viewer at this point. Like, come on, come join the... Figure out my name later when you've actually liked the content. You want to keep coming back and you're more likely to care about what my name is later.
0: Gotcha. If somebody You weren't
2: expecting that, were you, Mike?
0: (laughs) No, no, no. I mean, I was trying to think off the top of my head how I could like, you know, the copywriter in me wanted to do something with that, but I'm I'm not going to go there. (laughs) Um, So if somebody listening right now is not involved with video and and they want to use video to help their personal brands, like you said, you start off with your face, right? Like um, there's probably some people that are kind of like me that are quirky or funny when there's not a camera on them or do strange animal sounds as i've i'm known to do
2: <laughs> right.
0: i have a wicked crow which i will not do right now um
2: we'll save that for San Diego <laughs> yeah exactly
0: i've done i've done it before but anyways you know th- there's there's people that have really intriguing personalities and they probably have heard from their friends hey you really should do something on video and and, and there's a lot of people listening right now that are like you know i would love to develop my personal brand with video but I just don't know where to start like what do I start with like and when I say start I mean like what do they need to be thinking about before they even hit record on the camera
2: I think if you know you want that that's that's the problem is there's too much prior to hitting record on the camera the reason why I had an archive and a network that happened to be built because I didn't even realize what I was doing is because I just didn't stop I just hit record when something's happening that's that's what's really interesting is instead of setting yourself up for this kind of awkward learning experience of sitting in front of a camera and finding a way to drag words out of your mouth, just turn your smartphone camera on when something interesting is happening and figure out a way that you can use that. Sort of in the way that now people who are are specializing in Instagram, if they ever see anything beautiful ever, they're just taking a picture of it because they know they can overlay some beautiful quote on it later on. And it's this beautiful photo. When you just turn the camera on, beautiful things happen, especially if it's a moment where you have something going on and you are just so amped up about it that you could sit there and you're dying to to call someone on the phone and rant about it. But maybe turn on the camera instead and just go stand there and talk it out with your audience. Look at the lens of the camera and consider it a person. Visualize that person. And there you have it. You have a really well-executed video. So I think it's thinking too hard about the fact that it's it's the same thing as writer's block you don't have you don't know what you want to write but it's that you don't know what to say to the camera well if you would just turn it on when something's happening you'd find that it's going to flow a lot more easily so that would be my first instinct is don't hesitate to press publish there's far too many personal brands that are trying to be like they're trying to be
0: like the evening news and they're trying to talk like not their normal voice right
2: it's yeah it's, it's it's like just just be you because in some way if you're a personal brand specific you know, people are going to end up working with you in some capacity because of who you are truly. So if you can be as authentic as possible, that's going to come through much better for your business.
0: Well, let's talk about the kind of equipment that somebody could use just to get started. And then maybe we'll, we'll, we'll quickly go into some of the equipment that you use. I mean, what? how easy is it today to start doing video and what do we need? The basics.
2: I mean, everyone's got a camera in their pocket these days. We have smartphones. I have an iPhone 6 Plus that might be the best camera that I have in this whole place. And I have a $1,000 camera. So th- it's amazing what they're packing into smartphones. There's no reason to even carry around my my little Canon Power Shots that I used to love because my phone is just far more convenient as long as you have enough memory, of course. But that's where you get sort of sticky and in the weeds about memory on the phone. But it's such a convenient thing. As long as you're sort of conscious of where you're taking video and hopefully it's not too windy because the audio that's built into your phone tends to not be the best. But it's still not bad if you're just doing something in the moment, usually indoors or a controlled environment. You can knock something out really quickly and easily and in your pocket. There's no reason that you shouldn't start with your phone because if anything, you should just prove to yourself that you need to upgrade to the fancy camera by actually creating content with what you have. I was dragging my feet, kicking and screaming to upgrade to a DSLR because I said, look, I love proving that I can do this with a really not cheap, but inexpensive, Camera that I can at least set up on a tripod and see myself with the little flip screen. That's all I really needed for myself. But, you know, eventually it was just time for me to upgrade, but I was at least able to prove the point for a while that you didn't need the fancy camera to have a decent presence online.
0: Well, I don't know if you remember all the different. I mean, you might have to look around to answer this question, but you know, what kind of uh, tripod can you get for an iPhone or an Android device, and what what other kind of little gidget, widgets and gadgets might we want to add to our smartphones to just kind of make it so that there's not this arm in the middle of the picture.
2: <laughs> totally. But don't don't underestimate the arm because sometimes it's if it's the only option, it's a great option. People are also a great option. You know, I just did an amazing video at a conference recently with Sue Zimmerman. We just recruited somebody to come over, hold the phone, and we talked for five minutes. And it turned out great. Hmm. But you can really get any tripod you want. I think the first tripod I bought was at Walmart for 25 bucks. But if we're talking about for the smartphone, there's just going to be a small attachment that you can order on Amazon. But it's nice to have a tripod that will do both and just have the uh, additional attachment for the smartphone. So you can use that piece of equipment if you end up getting a, another kind of camera that you want to go between.
0: What, what's your thoughts about monopods? You know what that is, right?
2: Yes. Yes. I think monopods are great. Um, Explain what I they are for people
0: that don't know what, the, what that is.
2: It's it's exactly like it sounds where it's really just, it looks like a selfie stick because it's just unlegged. Tripod because it's not a tri, it's a monopod. Uh, it's nice because it, it's if you are not actually talking to the camera, that's that's when I would suggest it. Um, like when I was at the Consumer Electronics Show earlier this year. I was with YouTubers who were getting footage of the BMWs at the at the booth and all the technology happening there. And the monopod is really useful when you're running around a show floor like that and getting footage of other things. But it's not really a talk on camera type of situation unless you have a camera person. So a monopod is nice. It's just sort of that scenario that you're going to need it for. Yeah. Um, and
0: I, I will tell you, I've used the monopod a lot when I don't have someone around the office here. And the only thing you have to be careful of, usually you put it up against your body. And the only thing you have to be careful of is when you breathe, your rib cage moves and the camera (laughs) moves, you know. So sometimes it's better to hold it to the side of your body instead of right up against your rib cage because every time you take a breath in, that camera moves. Mm -hmm. But, But I love it because I can frame myself you know, using the, uh, what the rear facing or front facing camera, whatever it's called. And I have a little, um, microphone that I plug into it. That is like a lapel mic, you know, that I put just kind of a little low on my shirt so nobody can Mm -hmm. see it. Cause the audio that is a challenge, isn't it? The audio isn't always great on these smartphones, right?
2: Well, it, and it just depends on what... I mean, if you don't have carpet, then you you already get you know a demotion in audio. And if the room doesn't have enough pictures on the walls, there's a demotion in audio. So it's really tough with a smartphone. So it is nice if you can do the additional attachments. I uh, iRig is a great company that creates these sort of um, really inexpensive external audio options. And I have just a little handheld mic that I use to interview people people when uh that that time arises and it just plugs right into the phone just like you would your headphones and it works out really great.
0: Wow, that's really cool. Do you remember what the brand is of that little mic?
2: It's called iRig. Oh oh that is the
0: that yeah, is the irig
2: iRig is the company. Um, and they have enough, I think they even have a lapel and, and then they have just a normal, um, sort of interview style mic. Uh, and so there's a- definitely a few options. I discovered them at the Apple store and I know that they're sold of course on Amazon and, and-, and stuff like that. So definitely a good option there.
0: Okay. So, um, I'm sure a lot of people listening are probably going to be doing the kind of video that you do where it's mostly just yourself talking to the camera, talking about something. Um, one of the questions that naturally comes to mind is scripts. So um, I know you already said just talk, but not everybody can do that. Um, not everybody has the skill that you have or has you know a speech degree or anything like that. So what's your thoughts on scripts? Do you have any tips or advice about how to use them? Let's hear.
2: So I think you have to just keep in mind your editing strategy if you do feel that you need to work with a script. But A script can mean a lot of things. It can be verbatim and it can be, you know, a a list of bullet points. I will say that I... I seem to come off completely off the cuff, but I also know my ability to go on tangents. So I do keep a, a list of bullet points with me for each video so that I do make sure I hit every point because I'm going to be really sad later if I go to edit it together and I'm like, man, I didn't even say how much that app was, or, you know, because I'm so quick to end the video after I've gone on a 10 minute tangent and it needs to be a three minute video. So that's one form that this could take. But I also know of YouTubers that come off like, they could talk to a camera all day long, but they're deathly afraid of it, and they have been scripted since the since day one and all the way to year five. So it's just a matter of how you're going to edit that together. You can't be President Obama. You can't read the teleprompter. It is that is not YouTube worthy. I'm really sorry. I, I've never seen a video yet where that's the case that I couldn't tell because I can tell every time, and it just comes off as impersonal. So you know, I would. I in speech class and I've never been one to jump in front of the camera, ask my mother. She has no pictures of my childhood. So you need to just keep in mind that when you know what your message is and you know who the audience is, when you look at the camera lens like it's that person, it becomes much, much easier. And it's just like anything else. Hit publish hit publish, hit publish. It will get better every time. Do you think I'm sharing my videos that I first created? I'm not. Well, <laughs> it always a, gets a couple,
0: better. A couple other little tips that, that I uh, learned from my master's in speech um, is to have, like you said, a, a bullet list of just a, a couple words each that will spur your brain to talk about a topic and not, rather than just have the whole thing written out, like, you know, just like um, three bullets with a couple words in it. So that you don't skip a couple of important things and maybe and make it big and and tape it literally onto your camera, <laughs> and I've done this so many times where I've done these walking videos and usually I have another person filming, but literally uh, taped on the front of the camera is a reminder of what the key points are. And generally speaking, it's just there's a cheat sheet for me, and we usually do a couple of takes, and by the last take, I'm not even looking at the darn thing. Mm-hmm. But the they call that extemporaneous speaking. The idea is that you're assisted just just barely by those couple of words. And every time you say it, it's going to be a little different, but eventually you'll work it out. And I don't know. I mean, do you find that you always get it right on the first take or are you usually doing a bunch of takes?
2: I usually only have to do a take again if my uh, brain was moving too fast for my mouth. <laughs> And I'll just like kind of trip over some words. So unless, uh, unless that happens or unless I have some other audio issue, I can usually knock it out in the first take. But it's also, you know, you have to have a really good memory for as much as you're saying on camera um, to hear something and not have somebody else to give you feedback that maybe you want to say it differently. I will say that sometimes I have to cut something out of a video because the thought didn't come together. And that's totally fine. It's just something you have to deal with when it happens. But that's why the more guidance you can give yourself based on how often that happens, the better. But bullet pointing and trying to stay as succinct as possible, if you know the topic, it's going to flow.
0: Well, and I would imagine because you've done this so many times, you you think through a lot of this before you hit the record button, right? I mean, you've kind of got some ideas in your brain of what you're going to talk about or you just riff.
2: No, I, I definitely have ideas in my head about it. I, I have to be really psyched up about something to do a video about it. Now, that's hard for me to also say out loud because I co- obligate myself to three videos a week. So I also have to, you know, to be amped up about absolutely everything three times a week is tough. But if I don't feel like I can talk very, very easily about something for a minimum of three to four minutes, I'm not gonna do a bit a video about it yet. It's not ready. It's gonna have to be down the line.
0: Talk to me about um, how much time you spend in the entire process from the, you know, okay, I'm going to do a video to I'm done recording the video to the editing stage. Kind of give us the the big picture, total amount of time, and then maybe focus in a little bit about how much effort you put on the editing side.
2: Sure. So I publish three videos a week, Tuesday through Thursday. So Monday is my day to film. I film every video on Monday and I can... Do that at a maximum of one hour. Have all three videos recorded because they will usually take about 10 minutes a piece. So an hour is my absolute max. That was a very bad clothes, day. And you're yes. changing clothes, obviously. You're changing clothes
0: so it looks like it's not the same day, right?
2: Right. I got to jazz it up. If my face is going to be all over my blog, I might as well have something different on or like move my hair around or something. So yes, that's that's important to me too. So record a video, go change, record another one, go change again, record the last one. That takes about an hour. And then I immediately start editing that day as well because the Tuesday video is due. So it takes me about 30 minutes to 45 minutes just depends on how many overlays and additional fix and and the length of the video that it takes for me to chop up chop one up and uh additional research for copy and seo and the publishing of the blog post description copy for youtube and tags and things of that nature that's about another 30 minutes or so per video
0: and what tech are you using to do all the editing
2: I'm using Adobe Creative Cloud. So it's Adobe Premiere Pro specifically that I edit the video content.
0: Perfect. Well, Amy, um, I know that you have made it sound simple for a lot of people listening right now. (laughs) And I know that it's never this simple, right? Because you've done this 400 times and you've got this down to a mad mad science. But um, if somebody wants to check out these videos that you've done or learn more about you and the courses that you teach and all the different services that you have to offer, where would you like to send them?
2: You can find everything about me at SavvySexySocial.com. And especially if you're more interested in the tech side of If you go to com slash resources, I put everything there that I use on a regular basis, especially video camera equipment. So that might be specifically interesting to you.
0: And for those of you that are spelling challenged like me, savvy is (laughs) (laughs) S-A-V-V-Y. Amy Schmidtauer, thank you so much for joining me today. On behalf of everyone listening, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing your insight.
2: Well, you're so welcome. Thanks for having me on, Mike.
0: Well, I hope you found some inspiration there. If you've been thinking about creating a video blog, Amy's the person to check out. If you want to see any of the resources that we talked about, we mentioned a bunch of equipment. All you've got to do is check out the show notes at socialmediaexaminer.com slash 136, which stands for episode 136. Man, I can't believe we've recorded that many episodes. Also, if you're new to the show, do not miss a future episode of this show. Subscribe in your favorite podcast player on your smartphone, whether it be Stitcher or iTunes or whatever you use on an Android device. Hit that subscribe button. Also, if you are new to the show, um, and you like it, or you're a longtime listener and you've not yet done so, please visit socialmediaexaminer.com love. By visiting socialmediaexaminer.com love, it puts a little tweet into your Twitter stream that says you recommend the show. Helps us get the word out. This brings us to the end of yet another episode of the Social Media Marketing Podcast. I'll be back with you in the driver's seat next week. I hope you make the absolute best out of your day and may social media continue to change your world. And don't forget, we have another show called The Social Media Examiner Show, which is our daily podcast.
1: The Social Media Marketing Podcast is a production of Social Media Examiner.
0: Want more good stuff? Sign up for our top-notch social marketing newsletter. We deliver it straight into your inbox three days a week. Visit socialmediaexaminer.com slash updates.